Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. So many names of God, so many descriptions of who he is. Uh, It's amazing as you read through the word of God that he shows us a different aspect of who he is, of what his character is, as he describes his names. Uh, This series of messages, God Is, has been so good for me, and I've mentioned that before. It's just been good to just spend time every week in the presence of the God of the Bible and understand that descriptive word of who he is because he will meet you where you're at with the greatest need that you have in your life. For example, if you are just in need of healing, he is your Yahweh Rapha. He comes to heal your souls, to restore your souls. If you are filled with anxiety and you're filled with uncertainties and there's no peace and rest in your heart and in your life, he is your Yahweh Shalom. He brings you peace and he brings you rest. If you are in a battle, a spiritual battle that is going on and you're fighting the fight and you don't know how you're going to keep going, he is your Yahweh Nissi. His banner flies over you. If you are in need of God's provision, he promises that he is the one who sees and the one who provides. He sees your faithfulness. He provides because he is your Yahweh Yira. You may struggle with the concept of God and just wonder about how this whole thing works because you're fed these these, uh, theories, these theories that are contrary to God and you just wrestle with it. Well, he comes to you as Elohim, the creator God, to show you who he really is. So the God of the Bible explains himself in so many ways to meet us where we are at, to really provide for us what we need at the moment that we actually need it. All of this is so that we can know him. Psalm 100 verse 3, know, I want you to know with a certainty that there is a certainty to life. Know that Adonai, Yahweh, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That's who God is. He comes to us in so many ways. Today, we are going to meet him in another aspect, in another way. We are going to meet him today as the God who is our shepherd. Let's pray and get into this today. We've got a lot that God is going to show us. So let's go to him. Father, help us to hear from you. Help us to see you today as our shepherd and as a friend. Lord, you come to us in a way that we can have a deep-seated friendship with you. It's hard to think about the creator God, the almighty God, the powerful God, the one who knows all things, is all places at all times, is all powerful. This God, you want to shepherd us individually. You want to be a friend to us personally. Lord, I pray today 
that we would receive this, that we would sink our hearts and our teeth into this truth that you are the shepherd of our souls. Lord, I pray today that we would hear from you, that these would not be my words but yours, and that you would speak your truth to us in only the way that you can. Lord, be with us now. Teach us now. And help us to understand that you are the shepherd to our souls. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The shepherd, he is the shepherd of our souls. Pastor Stephen, in July and August, did a six-week series talking about Psalm 23, where he explained him being the shepherd to us. I would encourage you, if you did not see that, to go back and watch that series, because it will help you to understand the fact that he is the shepherd. Where does this name and this idea that he is our shepherd come from? It comes from that psalm. Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, and it says these words, a psalm of David, Adonai is my shepherd. Now you remember that the word Adonai or the word Lord, if you see it capitalized, it's a reference to Yahweh, the yod He vav Hey. So really what this is saying is that Yahweh is my shepherd. In Hebrew, it looks like this, Yahweh is my Ro-E. Now, the word ro-e, you're going to see it in multiple different ways. You're going to see it Yahweh ro-e. You're going to see it ro-he or ro-i. You may see any of those three. All of them are meaning the same thing, Yahweh ro-e. What does it mean, Yahweh ro-e? The word is both a noun and a verb, and it means a shepherd, and it means to shepherd, God is a shepherd to your soul, and he shepherds your soul. He's not just a shepherd who leads, but he is an active shepherd who is involved in the shepherding of your soul every day. But there's another part of the word that is so incredible because the word also means a friend or companion. Do you ever think of God in that way? That God is not just the creator, he is a friend, a companion, and a shepherd to your soul. In the book of James, it is referencing a relationship that Abraham had with God in the book of Genesis. And in the book of James, it says this, the scripture was fulfilled that says... And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Do you know that Yahweh Roe is a friend to you? He is a shepherd to your soul, but he is a friend that walks with you through life. Some of you have felt alone. Some of you have felt like, I don't have any friends. I want you to know you have the ultimate friend in the fact that that is who God is. So God is creator. God is almighty. God is immovable. God is provider. God is peace. God is the banner. God is our righteousness, but he is also an ever-present friend to your life, to shepherd your life. Yahweh desires intimacy between himself and his people. 
He doesn't want mentally and emotionally detached children simply going through repetitious religious exercises. He wants a close personal involvement in every aspect of our lives, one in which we could come to truly depend on him for our every need. He wants that kind of relationship with you, that kind of relationship with me, a close personal involvement where we come to truly depend on him. So what I want to do today is I want to discover this concept of Yahweh Roi, to understand what it really means that God is my shepherd and that God is my friend. What I want to do is look at Psalm 23. Now, again, I referenced the fact that Stephen covered this in six weeks. We're not going to do that. I'm going to cover just verses one through three, and we're just going to go through four things about God being the shepherd, the Yahweh Roe, to our soul. Again, I would encourage you to go back and watch all six of those weeks, but today we're just going to look at the first three verses and understand, God, how are you my friend? How are you the shepherd that I desperately need as I go through life? Well, let's start it at the very beginning, Psalm 23, verse 1, and I want to just pick apart some of these words and then give you some points that deal with this. So let's look at Psalm 23, verse 1. Here's what it says, a psalm of David, Adonai is, I want to stop right there with the word is, Adonai is, Yahweh is. Is Why is the word is so important as you're reading this? Because it's not was. It's not will be in the future. This is not about the past. This is not about the future. This is about the here and now. He is active. He is present. He is now. He is involved. That's who the shepherd is. He is actively, presently involved in your life and my life today. Not past, not future, right now in the moment. Adonai is. What is he? Well, he is the word my. He is my. Why is that important? Because many times in the church world, we talk corporately about the church, the body of Christ, a group of people. David, in a hard time of life, was saying, he is my. There is a personal connection that David is having. Everything I need in life, everything I want is for me right now where I'm at with what I'm going through. Again, whatever you're going through, wherever you're at, whatever things are happening, God is personally involved actively today in your life. You go through a loss, he's right there actively involved at the moment. You go through pain at home, he is actively involved right there at the moment for you. You're going through a tough time at your work, he is actively involved, present in your life right now where you're at. He is my shepherd. And as a result of him being my shepherd, look what it says next, I shall not want. I shall not want. I will find in my life a source 
of contentment, which is point number one. Point number one is that he makes me content. God comes into, the li- into my life personally, to be involved in my life personally, to make me content in my life. I will not, I shall not want. Now, this does not mean that God is just going to give you everything that you want from a selfish standpoint. What he does say is that he is going to make you content with everything that he provides so that you're not going to want something that's beyond his provision. Let me explain all of this. One of the biggest problems in life that people have, and I think one of the greatest sins that goes unspoken, is the sin of discontentment. We are discontent as people. And when we are discontent, it will drive us to do all kinds of things that we should not be doing. For example, you're discontent at home. You're discontent with your spouse. And so what do you decide to do out of discontentment with your spouse? You think, well, I'll find a new spouse because then I will be content. And you just realize you get into a new relationship and they're far more messed up than you ever realized and now you're even more discontent. You're discontent at your job so you start looking for other jobs. Never satisfied in the job you have always looking for something different because you're discontent. You're discontent with the house you own. So I've got to look for a different house. Discontent with the car I drive. Discontent with the clothes that I have. Discontent with the, uh, with the way that my house is uh, arranged. I've got to always be doing something more because I'm always discontent looking for contentment. God is the provider of our contentment. Here, here's the problem. I got, I've got to explain this right and I hope I do come across the right way. In life, there is a problem between sources, a source, and a resource, okay? Think about this. A source and a resource. What is a source? A source is everything that provides me what I need in life. A source is what provides me contentment. A source provides me fullness. A source provides me life. A source is what I draw on. That's a source. A resource is things given by God to be enjoyed in life. For example, God is my source And my family is a resource. My wife is a wonderful resource, and I am a wonderful resource for her. My kids are, well, at times, they're wonderful resources. My house is a wonderful resource. Money is a wonderful resource. A car is a wonderful resource. It's a gift given by God for the enjoyment and the living out of life. But what people do is they mistakenly take resources and they put them into the source category. My wife, instead of being a resource, becomes my source. And I start looking to her to make me happy, to make me full, to make me content. She can't do that. It's not her job to do that. 
I start putting my kids into the source category. So I look to my kids, and out of my kids, that's what makes me happy and full. And so I get way too involved in their sports because how they do on the court is a reflection upon me because they're my source. Does that make sense? I put my car in the source category, and my car becomes everything for me. And I live for this car, and I love this car, and I worship this car because I have put it into the source category. I take money, and I put money from the resource category into the source category, and now I have the love of money, which is corrupting my life. I take my job, and my job is a great thing, but I put my job into the source category, and I start living for the job, being a workaholic, and it becomes the source of my life. That's when I become discontent, because resources can never be a source. Only God can be the source of my life. Does that make sense? We confuse sources and resources and as a result of that we're never ever content because we are looking at resources to do what they cannot do my wife is a wonderful gift but she cannot be the source of my life my kids are a wonderful gift they can't be the source of my life Money is a great tool. It cannot be the source of my life. When we become discontent, we start living according to this poem I found called Present Tense. And I want to share that with you. It'll be on the screen. And here's what it says. Hopefully you can read that. It's a little bit small print. But it says this. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall that I wanted, the colorless leaves and the cool, air, uh, cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter that I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring that I wanted, the warmth and the bl blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood that I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 that I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged that I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. That's the picture of discontentment. God comes in and says, I will be your Yahweh Roe. I will be the source. I will be your shepherd. I will be your friend. I will be everything that you need in life. And when you and I look to him in that manner, he makes me content. And finally, maybe for the first time in life, you finally come to the place where I, I'm finally content. I've had many opportunities to meet with couples, uh, individually, actually, instead of just couples, but individuals who have gone through a divorce. And it's painful. And it's hard to handle. And some of you have been in that boat. You've gone through a divorce, and it's sad, and it's, it's a very hard time in life. And I always tell them this, this statement over and over. Don't go out and get remarried immediately. 
Many of them don't listen. Most of them don't listen. And they jump right into the next relationship. And I tell them, you are not ready to be in a relationship until you're finally content and don't need to be in a relationship. When you come to the place of contentment and you can say, I don't need to be in a relationship, then you're ready to actually be in a relationship. Do you follow that? When I could finally say, I am at peace. I don't want, I'm content. God is my shepherd. He is the present friend in my life. I have that closeness with him. He's my source. Resources, great. The resources are not my source. I'm looking to him. I finally reached that place of contentment. Do you know that Paul writes the same thing? Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, one of the most popular verses taken out of the Bible and used as a bumper sticker or a coffee mug or some kind of a poster or motivational saying in your house, and that is this, I can do all things through Christ, through Messiah, who strengthens me. Do you know that that is one of the most taken out of context verses in the Bible? Because they don't mean it the way that it is written by Paul in the Bible. A text without context is just a pretext for what I want it to say. If you are using it as a pretext, then you're using it and understanding it wrong. Because it has to be understood in context. What was the context of what Paul said? Here's what he said. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at last you have received or revived your concern for me, though you were concerned before but lacked opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For whatever circumstances I am in, I have learned to be content. I know what it is to live with humble means, and I know what it is to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, both to be filled and to go hungry, to have abundance and to suffer need. Then what does he go on to say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is the context? Paul's saying, I've learned to be content, whether I am poor or whether I have money, whether I have food or the cupboard is bare, whether everything is going just right or things are going wrong, I have learned to be content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content because it is Yahweh Rohi. It is Christ alone who strengthens me and helps me to be content. Now, how do we know that this is what David was referring to. Well, he says it in the very next verse in Psalm 23, verse 2. Look what it says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know what lying down in green pastures would be all about? It is the feeling of being content. I don't have to keep eating. I don't have to keep consuming. I don't have to keep searching. I'm just content where I'm at today. And he not just, not only that, he doesn't say he will make me lie down, but he also leads me beside still waters. This is point number two. 
And point number two about Yahweh-Rohi is not just that he makes me content, he also gives me rest and peace. You ever come to that place where you just lie down or you're being led by still waters and you just feel at peace? Never forget, we, uh, Jennifer and I, we had, um, we had did, done some camping. We had a tent, and uh, Jennifer really did not like that at all. It was a short, little-lived experiment, a tent camper. We moved from that into a little pop-up camper. That was a little bit better. You got off the ground, and it was a little bit more comfortable. We wanted to get a travel trailer. And so in 2003, we bought a travel trailer. And it was phenomenal. It's like taking your hotel with you when you go everywhere you go. I mean, this is what God designed camping to be. If the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness with RVs, it would have been a completely different story. <laughs> we got this camper, and we went on our very first camping trip. We'd never used it before. We decided we're going to go to Glacier National Park. And we went to Glacier, and some of you have been there, and we toured all through Glacier, and it was so beautiful. Incredible trip. And I'll never forget, we went to a little campground. I think it was called Two Medicine Lakes, if I remember right. And we were there at this campground, and we were set up in our camper next to the water. It was a beautiful, clear lake, and it was calm. And there were mountains all around, and we just sat there in our chairs drinking coffee. I was drinking coffee. She was having tea. Huckleberry coffee. It was awesome. And we just sat there. It was quiet. There were no electronics. There was no TV that was going on. There was no noise. And it was just sitting there. And then we saw the storm start rolling in over the top of the mountains, and we just watched this storm. Incredible, just thinking about the creation, uh, what God has done. And we were sitting there enjoying this, and I was reminded of this idea that God leads me beside still waters. And when you are led to that point, you have peace, and you have rest. And that's what the shepherd does. Yahweh-Roi makes you content, and he gives rest to your souls. Let's keep going. What else does he do? Well, the next verse, next part of the verse, it says this. He restores my soul. He restores. What is restoration all about? That is the Yahweh-Roi who offers me healing. I'm always intrigued by the backstories of hymns. I don't know if that intrigues you at all, but there's a reason why hymn writers wrote hymns many years ago. One of the most intriguing ones to me was the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Do you know it? Many of you probably do. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy, never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. That's this picture of a God who is there. He is present. He is Yahweh Roe. The guy who wrote this hymn, Rob, uh, Robert Roberts, Robinson, he was in 1970, I'm sorry, in 1758, he wrote this at the age of 22. 
Prior to the age of 22, he did not know the Lord. He came to know the Lord shortly before he wrote this hymn. He came to know the Lord under the pastoral leadership of George Whitfield. George Whitfield was preaching a message, and he knew, Robert Robinson knew in his heart that he needed to surrender his life to the Lord, needed to come to the Lord, and he did. He made that decision. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to forgive me. Be my friend. I want to know you. And he made the decision to surrender his heart and life to the Lord. Shortly after that, he wrote this famous hymn. This come thou, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Well, his story would go on that he would actually become a pastor. He would come, become a pastor, but he would go through some very hard times in life. He would go through some struggles in life. He would go through some extreme losses in life, and his heart would start to wander from the Lord because of the pain that he had gone through. Later in his life, he told the story that he was in a horse-drawn taxi, and in this taxi, in this coach, he was sharing it with a young lady. The young lady in the coach was humming the song that he had written several decades earlier. She was humming, come thou fount of every blessing, to my heart to sing thy grace. And as she was humming that, she made eye contact with him, and she was a little bit of embarrassed that she was humming this out loud, Robert Robinson spoke to her and he said to her, Madam, uh, do you know that song that you are, you are humming? She said, it's one of my absolute favorites. Sir, are you familiar with this? And he said to her, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give 1,000 worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. She said in reply to him, Sir, streams of mercy never ceasing. The God who loves you is willing to restore you back into the fold. As he tells the story, it was life-changing for him that God used that woman in that taxi to speak truth, using his own words to remind him of the fact that God is a God of restoration and healing. Maybe you need that today. You need to be restored and healed today because you have wandered away. And God wants to restore you. God wants to restore your soul. He goes on, David does, to say this. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He, he guides me. That, that's the picture of the shepherd. The shepherd guides you in two ways. One, he leads you in the direction that you are to go, but then he also guides you. Now, the first thought and the first image that comes to my mind with the idea of him guiding me, not just leading, but guiding, is the fact that he sets up guardrails in our lives. You ever been bowling with kids and they put those little bumpers up in the gutter and the kid throws the ball and it just kind of wanders all over the lane 
and it hits the bumpers and it comes right back to where it needs to go until they ultimately get a strike, it seems like. And I feel like, why don't I get to have bumpers? Because I need them as much as they do. God guides by putting up guardrails in our lives. And when we are prone to wander, when we are prone to move away from where he is, he bumps us back into the correct path. That is who Yahweh Roe is. He is a God who guides me in paths of righteousness. He provides direction. The God who is my friend, the God who is my shepherd, brings me contentment, helps me to lie down and rest, gives me peace when I don't feel it, guides me and restores my soul to the things that I need, to where I need to be in life. This is the God who is Yahweh Roe. Do you know him like this? You may know God, but do you know him as the shepherd of your soul? Do you know him as the ever-present, active, now God of your life? He is Yahweh Roe. Not was not will be, he is. He's not just all of ours, he's mine. David wrote this during a time of trouble in his life. He wasn't comfortable in the palace when he was writing this. He was battling for life when he wrote this. And when he was battling for life, he realized that I need God to be my shepherd where I'm at today. We need that as well. We need to know him in that capacity. We need to understand him as the shepherd and the friend to our souls. And when you understand God like that and you see God like that, it will revolutionize everything about your life because you will start looking at him as the source and resources as wonderful gifts you given. You will look to him as the one who gives you contentment and peace and rest. You will look to him as the one who provides restoration and healing. And you will look to him as the one who guides you, walks in front of you and beside you every step of the way. Let's pray together. Father, my hope is that we know you like this. Again, not that we just know about you, but we genuinely know you from the depths of our heart, from the depths of our soul, that we know this personal, intimate relationship, that you are Roe, the shepherd, the friend, the ever-present help in times of trouble. You are the one that is there near our souls with whatever it is that we're going through. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see in our own lives and do some introspection on the ways that we have confused the source and the resource. Many of us, perhaps even in this room right now, are very discontent with our lives. And we are always looking and searching for more, never content with what we have because we are looking at resources as sources of our life. Father, help us to look to you as the source, as the shepherd, as the friend to our soul. We pray, Lord, that we would have a closeness, a depth of intimacy with you that would revolutionize everything about our lives. Father, thank you so much 
for giving us your word. Thank you for being with us today. Be with us now as we sing and then we leave. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.